So, interesting chapters in the third canto. Lord Varaha just appeared out of nowhere, almost out of nowhere, it seems, out of Lord Brahma's nostrils. Uh, and um, in the beginning of that chapter, which we practically finished last week, except for one verse, right? I think we're, text 34 we have to do. Um, and it begins, interestingly enough, similarly to, in a similar way to chapter 14, which is discussing the, uh, the um, hearing and chanting and how important hearing and chanting is. So let's go back to 13. Well, wait, what, no, it wasn't 34. Here we go. It was text 49. So nothing remains unachieved when the Supreme Personality of Godhead is pleased with someone. So that's, that's, that in and, itself, in and of itself is an interesting statement. Because in the Nectar of Devotion, there's this nice point where Prabhupada writes that it's not, the service isn't so important, it's the service attitude. Because, you know, what can you offer Krishna in, on, on a certain level? There, there's different ways to look at things, but on one level, you know, he's got every, what do you get Krishna for his birthday? if he owns everything already, right? Uh, so on a certain level, you know, there's nothing, um, it's, it's not the service exactly, uh, it's more the service attitude. There's a nice um, example of this uh, one time uh, in Mayapur, uh, Prabhupada, it was, I think it was 1974, could have been 70, no, it might have been 76, but anyway. So, uh, Tamal Krishnamaraj was there and Buri Prabhu was there. And Tamal Krishnamaraj was in charge of this big uh, Radha Damodar Sankirtan party, so many buses and things. And he gave Srila Prabhupada a very large check of, you know, uh, for use for his book fund. Um, I, I can't remember if it was, it was, it was in the, it was five figures, which in those days was a lot of money, you know, $50,000, $30,000 or something like that. And Prabhupada kind of looked at it and just put it away. You know, like, big deal, right? And then Burijampu gave him a check for like 600 and something dollars, because Burijampu was a house, he was practically the first householder to live outside the temple. Everyone lived in the ashram, right, in those days. And he was, he was, um, he had this handbag, a ladies' handbag business. Um, non-leather ladies' handbags. And so, and he would just, con he always considered Prabhupada the, the uh, hey Andy, the owner of, the proprietor of the business, the owner, and he was just the manager. Virgin Prabhu considered himself the manager, so he, he gave all the profits to the owner. So it was like, you know, $642.21, kind of something like that, right? You know, it was every penny, <laughs> pretty much, except whatever he had to, to use for uh, buying more stock, and I guess for maintaining him and, and his family. Um, so then Prabhupada looked at it and his eyes opened up wide and he kept on, he went on for a few minutes glorifying how nice this was, even though it was a check for like one one hundredth of what the other check was for, right? But showing this, that, 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 that you know, small Krishna was kind of, you know, you know, <laughs> was kind of a little proud of how much he was giving Prabhupada. Um, so, it's, it exemplifies this point that nothing remains unachieved when the Supreme Personality of God is pleased with someone. So it's, the, it's not the, ex actually, it's not the service, it's a service attitude. Now that doesn't mean 
were impractical. That okay, it's you know I'm I'm a multi multi millionaire, and since it's not the service, it's a service attitude. I offer one dollar to Radha Madan Mohan with great devotion, you know, and the five million I keep in my pocket for my you know fast cars and big houses and things like that. So <clears throat> so it's practical, but that's the idea. That what else can you achieve in life? That's the goal, right? Sang Sidhir Hari Tosanam, right? Sang Sidhir means Sang Sidhir. The perfect Sidhi means perfection, right? So the perfection is Hari Tosanam, it's pleasing Krishna. By transcendental achievement, oh, I'm sorry. It's by transcendental achievement, one understands everything else to be insignificant. One who engages in transcendental loving service is elevated to the highest perfectional stage by the Lord himself, who is seated in everyone's heart. And Prabhupada writes, as stated in the Bhagavad Gita 10.10, 10, anyone know that verse? Yes. Right. To those who are constantly devoted and worship me with love, I give the understanding by which they can come to me. So as stated there, the Lord gives intelligence to the pure devotees so that they may be elevated to the highest perfectional stage. It is confirmed herein that a pure devotee who constantly engages in the loving service of the Lord is awarded all, all knowledge necessary to reach the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Okay, so that, so that you know, there's, there's a... a um, What's the word I'm looking for? The condition there, that what's not all necessary, right? So, so uh, Druva, that doesn't mean you're necessarily going to get 100% on your scores in med school just because you're fully devoted to the Lord. Because it's a specific kind of knowledge that Krishna gave. That when you said that verse, the Dami Buddhi Yogam Tam, the Buddhi Yoga is specifically the knowledge by which we can come to, to Krishna. So um, now for such a devotee, there is nothing valuable to be achieved but the Lord's service. Now that's also an interesting sentence. There's nothing else to be achieved because um, this, uh, that sentence can be practiced on different levels of maturity. Let's put it that way, okay? Uh, of course, it's, it's very uh, helpful. Krishna gives that insight, I find, especially when people are first introduced to Krishna consciousness. And they just, you know, otherwise I can't, when I look back at my life, I can't believe that I dropped out of college to be, and became a brahmachari. You know, when I think back now and what that took to, to reject my parents and, and my brother and, and and my whole career path and my, my good grades and all that sort of stuff. You know, looking back uh, 42 years now, it's, but, but here it says, you know, for such a devotee, there's nothing valuable to be achieved but the Lord's service. So that, that is a, uh, that, can, that sentence in one sense can be practiced on different levels of maturity. I think it's kind of an irritative, not irritative, iterative process that as we mature, that sentence takes on more uh, depth of meaning. Um, and it doesn't necessarily mean that one is, uh, because I, you know, for many of us in the 70s when we became devotees, 
it meant rejecting the world completely, Ram Ram, you know, and just, uh, and which, which wonder, it was a wonderful life. But it also was somewhat of a fanatical life in some ways, at least in terms of social interaction and things like that. Um, but it was a good, it was a good step. But, uh, but this can be practiced also, and one can be very much in the world even, and uh, maintaining a family and having a job and all those sort of things, and still uh, have this in their heart of hearts that the, the most valuable thing, there's nothing really valuable in this world to achieve but the Lord's service. Because that's who we are. Jivera swarup hoya. We always talk about this word swarup, right? That the swarup, the sugar is to be sweet, the swarup of salt is to be salty. Our swarup is to be a servant of Krishna. So we may do so many things in this world, but this is, a, uh, this is kind of at the core of a devotee's thought that there's nothing valuable to be achieved but the Lord's service. If one serves faithfully, there is no possibility of frustration because the Lord himself takes charge of a devotee's advancement. That, again, that doesn't mean we won't get frustrated in, in the day-to-day -day life, right? It doesn't mean when you become a devotee, uh, all the lights turn green and all of a sudden your three-hour commute becomes 50 minutes or things like that. There's still the, the dealing with this material world but our reaction to it is totally different because the Lord takes charge. The Lord is seated in everyone's heart and he knows the devotee's motive and arranges everything achievable. In other words, the pseudo-devotee who is anxious to achieve material gains cannot attain the highest perfectional stage because the Lord is in knowledge of his motive. Ouch, that's scary. Isn't it? That Krishna knows our motive, right? Uh, John Lennon once wrote that song, one thing you can't hide is when you're crippled inside. Right? Uh, <laughs> so, uh, you know, Christian, it is a bit scary that Christian knows our motive. Um, one merely has to become sincere in his purpose, and then the Lord is there to help in every way. So it's often in many places in Prabhupada's purports talks about two words, sincerity and seriousness. And that this is a, seriousness doesn't you know, mean I hate everybody's guts, I'm really serious. It just means, it means adopting something like this, for such a devotee is nothing valuable to be achieved but the Lord's service. And then to have that sincerity to carry that out. So some thoughts, questions, comments on that? Yes, where's the microphone? Ah. Um, the example that you were giving about you quitting the college and joining the movement uh, reminded me of uh, um, a principle. Uh, one month ago, I was attending the retreat at Gita Nagari. Okay. And the theme, uh, theme of the retreat was saying yes to Krishna. That was the theme. Yeah, and then there were different speakers speaking from different perspectives on up how to approach that principle or the theme. And uh, one of the speakers was speaking about uh, saying holistic yes to Krishna. So when you were speaking about that example, that principle came to my mind. So as, when I am saying wholeheartedly 
sincerely saying yes to Krishna, then even if I am leaving behind certain things that I am attached to, right. it doesn't feel like, oh, I'm missing that. And at the same time, when there are challenges coming out of that, uh, giving up uh, certain things, it doesn't seem like a challenge, but because we have said wholeheartedly yes to Krishna. Right. The trick is uh, to, not, to not say yes to Krishna and then forge a certain path in our life. And then a few years later, oh man, I shouldn't have said so yes so intensely. <laughs> you know, that, was a, that was a bit of a... So that's why it's nice to have uh, mature guidance. See, in the 70s, there wasn't so much mature guidance because the old, the absolute oldest devotee had been a devotee nine years or eight years, and that was very rare. Most devotees have been devotees two or three years, so senior didn't mean what it means today. Someone who's in their 60s or 70s and has 50 years of experience, so uh, yes, say yes to Krishna. It's kind of like that statement in the Ramayana where it says that, uh, where Lord Ram says that if one wholeheartedly comes up to me and says, yes, you are the Supreme Personality of Godhead, I give them all protection. Because that statement, you are the Supreme Personality of Godhead, that has, that, that unpacks, it's like a sutra, and, and when you unpack it, it means a whole lot of stuff. It means I'm not the Supreme Lord, it means I'm a servant, you know, it, it means a whole bunch of stuff, yeah. Other thoughts? Yes. Hare Krishna. So, um, as we study Bhagavatam and we uh, study about different elevated personalities like Thru Maharaj, um, uh, Prahlad Maharaj, all, all, and all other personalities who achieve perfection, Amrish, King Amrish, or Amrish Maharaj. So, um, also when you were explaining this, I was thinking of that verse depending on the degree of surrender. The Lord reciprocates, and that too, if you know it is with pure sincerity. So, um, you know, when we read about those verses of being fearless or the protection of the Lord, I mean, it all makes sense. You know, the more we start uh, having higher faith, developing higher taste, becoming more sincere the more we feel it within our hearts that Krishna is reciprocating. Yes. And then we feel more encouraged. Very good. That's, a, that's right. Okay, so should we go on to text 50? And we're almost done with this chapter. Who, other than, the one, other than one who is not a human being, can exist in this world and not be interested in the ultimate goal of life? Well, I, we could probably all name a few people. <laughs> right? It says who, well, I, I don't. Who can refuse the nectar of narrations about the personality of God's activities, which by itself can deliver one from all material pangs? So, obviously this is in one sense a rhetorical question, but this is Maitreya's experience, right? That, wow, this is so, it's so wonderful hearing about the Lord's pastimes. Who wouldn't want to do this? And that ends that chapter. So now, we are setting the stage. The next chapter is setting the stage for many, many chapters and even cantos to come, right? Because specifically, the, uh, the uh, appearance of Prahlad Maharaj and the appearance, therefore, the appearance of Nishingadev 
and the appearance of Rahadev, because it's the birth of Hiranyakashipu and Hiranyaksha. And so how did they take birth as such um, unpalatable folks? Um, it was due to the way they were conceived, and that's what this chapter is all about. So it's kind of a heavy chapter. It talks a lot about sex life and uh, how, and lust and things, but it's, uh, but it's all, on a certain level, it's part of the lila of the Lord, because remember, uh, when we find out later in the Bhagavatam that Jai and Vijay, they, uh, well, no, yeah, they um, offended the four Kumaras, the four Kumaras cursed them, and Lord, the Lord gave them a choice, right? You can either take seven births as devotees or three births as demons. So your choice, and they chose the latter, and so this is how, this is setting the stage, this is how it all came about. And of course there's a lot of instructions within that, but it's, so it's, it's part of the big picture. And sometimes it's good to keep in mind the big picture when we read the Bhagavatam, otherwise it can be a little bit like, um, what is that example of feeling the different parts of the elephant's body? You know, the blind person and thinking the elephant is like a tree or the elephant is like this or that. So uh, it's good to keep in mind that this is part of the lila of the Lord, um, how Diti became pregnant at the wrong time and in the wrong mood. Okay? So everyone have their seatbelts on? Let's begin. Um, and we, we marked a few verses that we decided we would talk about. Sukadev Goswami said, after hearing from the great sage Maitreya about the Lord's incarnation as Varaha, Vidura, who had taken a vow, begged him with folded hands to please narrate further transcendental activities of the Lord since he, Vidura, did not yet feel satisfied. Is Vidura ever going to feel satisfied? No, that's not, that's not the program. It's not like ice cream. You know, we, you know, we know that example, right? You have three sco two scoops. I used to work at a Baskin Robbins before, when I was a teenager. I, it, it developed a good, a good, very good, strong left arm from scooping all that ice cream. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I used to play tennis, so it was very good for my uh, tennis game. Uh, but anyway, you know, one scoop, fantastic. Two, fantastic. Three, but you know, 12, right? But that's not the idea with hearing about Krishna. It's not that, you know, you become perfect in Krishna consciousness and I'm going to take up something else now. I'll take up, you know, basket weaving or, uh, you know, surfing or something, you know. Um, it, it's, it's something that um, is ever increasingly satisfying. Sri Vidura said, O chief among the great sages, I have heard by disciplic succession that Hiranyaksha, or as Prabhupada would say, Hiranyaka, the original demon was slain by the same form of sacrifice, the personality of Godhead, Lord Bore. What was the reason, O Brahmana, for the fight between the demon king and Lord Bore when the Lord was lifting the earth as his pastime? So he wants the whole background. My mind has become very inquisitive, and therefore I am not satisfied by hearing the narrations of the Lord's appearance. Please, therefore, speak more and more uh, to a devotee who is faithful. The great sage Maitreya said, O warrior, the inquiry made by you is just befitting a devotee because it concerns the incarnation of the personality of Godhead. He is the source of liberation from the chain of birth and death. 
for all those who are otherwise destined to die. Okay, so the purport. The great sage Maitreya addressed Vidura as a warrior, not only because Vidura belonged to the Kuru family, but because he was anxious to hear about the chivalrous activities of the Lord in his incarnations of Varaha and Nrsingha. Because the inquiries concerned the Lord, they were perfectly befitting a devotee. A devotee has no taste for hearing anything mundane. Raise your hand if you have no taste for hearing anything mundane. So none of you are devotees, except me. No, no, <laughs> no but it's, it's, a, uh, it's a challenge, right? It, it, it's a challenge, and especially now. There, there's the, you know, it seems that as much as you dislike what's happening in the politics in America, it sometimes is like a magnet that you just want to say, what did so-and-so say today? you know, or tweet today or whatever, you know, and it just, be, it's so easy to get sucked into the, uh, it's not even a 24-hour news cycle now, it's like a 24-second, <clears throat> you know, at any second something else more outrageous than the last thing could take place, right? Um, and I, I often joke that if, if, you're, if your devotee's waiting at a doctor's office and there's, uh, on the table there's a Bhagavatam and a Time Magazine, what are the chances of which one we're gonna pick up, <laughs> right? What? Yeah, but still, you'll pick up the Bhagavatam, I'll probably pick up the Time Magazine. <laughs> you know, I'll try to dovetail it into, you know. The idea is that it's not, it's not so easy to, um, to not have a taste. And this is gonna come up in a number of the purports, so we'll talk about it now. We've talked about this example so many times, but it's, it, you know, it's, it's worthwhile remembering that in most spiritual practices, to, uh, it's a, there's a two-step process. You have to put down the material and then pick up the spiritual, right? It's a two-step process of renunciation first and then acceptance. But in Krishna consciousness, um, just by picking up the spiritual, you automatically drop the material. It's just a one-step process. It doesn't require um, uh, that kind of gritting one's teeth and, oh, I'm not going to be attracted to, you know. It, 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 it becomes actually such a natural thing. Janayat yasu vairagyam gyanam chayadahaitukim, the Bhagavatam says in the second chapter, right? the first canto, that it, renunciation becomes natural. So although, yeah, we want to, we want to um, try, you know, work to follow the four regulated principles and all that, by becoming attracted to Madan Mohan, then it becomes easy. You know, and we, again, we've uh, used that example that Prabhupada used to like to use um, of, in India, uh, the bicyclist holding on to the back of the truck Right, you wouldn't want to do that today. On the, there's so many police on the road here because of the uh, golf tournament. <laughs> you get arrested pretty quickly, <laughs> but it becomes easy, right? Because you're holding on to the, the ideas you hold. So similarly, when we become attracted to the beauty of Radha Madan Mohan, and then it becomes, uh, or attracted in this case to hearing about the pastimes of Radha Madan Mohan, then we have no taste for hearing anything mundane. And at the same time, we recognize, geez, the example in Nectar of Instruction, we have jaundice. 
right? And uh, uh, jaundice, the cure for jaundice is to take sugar cane, sugar candy. I used to, when I, I had jaundice once in Vrindavan, and there's two kinds of sugar cane, by the way. There's a kind that comes from the, um, the cane itself, and then there's the processed sugar. So one's white and one's yellow. And the yellow one, at this one place in Loy Bazaar, you get it. And now I don't know, it's been years. But, uh, and, and it did taste a little bitter at first, but it was like, that was the medicine. So similarly, we have to use our intelligence a little to hear and chant about Krishna, even if we don't, even if the Time Magazine looks a little more attractive, to just kind of go, okay, Bhagavatam. <laughs> and naturally, the, the taste comes about. Mm. There are many topics of mundane warfare, but a devotee is not inclined to hear them. The topics of the warfare in which the Lord engages do not concern the war of death, but the war against the chain of Maya, which obliges one to accept repeated birth and death. In other words, one who takes delight in hearing the war topics of the Lord is relieved from the chains of birth and death. So if you like battles and things, read the Mahabharata, read the Ramayana, and instead of uh, the history of World War I, the Battle of the Bulge and, and all that sort of stuff, right? Um, yeah, so there should be a history channel, you know, because, right, if you turn on the history channel on TV, right, there's all this, you know, it's kind of, you know, what happened in World War II and the last bunker that Hitler, you know, and all those things. If there was one for, you know, the Mahabharat or the Ramayana, you could dovetail that propensity to, uh, as, as, uh, Vidura, as Vidura is doing. He's a warrior. He wants to hear about some chivalrous activities. So uh, Maitreya said, okay, no problem. Hear about Krishna. <laughs> it kind of reminds me of uh, uh, when Burijan Prabhu was becoming a devotee, I guess, 67, 68. And, you know, in those days, everyone, including myself, we all had record collections. That was the thing to have if you were a kid or especially a teenager, right? Because, and also the designs on record, because record albums are big. They're actually coming back into vogue now. Um, Sony is now starting to uh, distribute records again. Yeah, but anyway, that's neither here nor there. That's a little mundane information. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> And and so you know you, I, you know used to, I used to have a you had you have you had a huge you, you still do you still have that you had it I remember when we were going through you kept the rudders <laughs> very good yeah so you know I used to have hundreds of records that was the big the big thing right um, so he was very proud of his collection so he went to, he was talking to Rupanuga Prabhu who was a temple president there in Buffalo. And uh, Rupanuga was saying, yes, in Krishna consciousness, you know, you don't have to give up anything. You just have to dovetail everything in Krishna consciousness. And, and he said, so what are you attaching? He said, records. And he said, yes, well, we also have records. And Bari Champu said, how many? One. <laughs> you know? So he gave up his whole record collection. He said he used to play that and turn it over and play it and turn it over again and again and again. Like that. <laughs> of course, now there's some more, but. In those days, there was one. Yes, uh, microphone for Henry. Just a little anecdote. One of the first devotees I ever met in 1970 told me that at the temple where he was, there was a big room full of record players and records that all the devotees had donated when they joined. Yes, <laughs> including myself. And the thing I was so attached to more than anything, I was a college student, was my 
stereo, because in those days, that was the, you know, the thing that you would research, like now maybe it's computers, research, you know, Pioneer this and JBL speakers and, and such and such turntable. And I just, when I became a barometer, I just, I have no idea whatever happened to that stereo system. But that was, that was a big thing, yes. <laughs> in other words, one who takes delight in hearing, oh, I read that. Foolish persons are suspicious of Krishna's taking part in the battle of Kurukshetra, not knowing that his taking part ensured liberation for all those who were present on the battlefield. It is said by Bhishma Dev that all those who were present on the battlefield of Kurukshetra attained their original spiritual existence after death. Therefore, hearing the war topics of the Lord it is, is as good as any other devotional service. So th th there's an interesting point, a really important point here of how liberating knowledge can be. So someone might be wondering, oh my God, why did, you know, how did God get involved in a war, right? And, and, and you know, that could be something that really disturbs people's mind, right? And then getting this tidbit of knowledge that all those people who participated in the war got liberated, oh, okay, Ram Ram, right? Or um, the, the, was it the Brahmana? in South India, who was very disturbed um, that Ravana had touched Sita Devi, right? You know, and he, and he couldn't sleep, and he was really, really disturbed, right, about that whole thing. How could, how could Mother Sita be touched by that demon, right? And then Lord Chaitanya was touring South India and came across the Korma Purana, was it? Right, and there was a passage that said it was the Maya Sita, and then Lord Chaitanya, actually, don't, this is not something you should practice at college, you know, ripping out pages out of a book. Of course, nowadays it's all electronic. So he, he took that. No, actually, I, I guess he copied it, right? And he took that to that Brahmana. And then when the Brahmana had that knowledge, he was so happy that it wasn't Sita who was touched by Ravana. So um, it it's goes to show that when we have some doubts, we shouldn't kind of sweep them under the carpet of neglect and just hope they'll kind of go away one day, right? But there's nothing wrong with having doubts. Um, and one should try to get them clarified because knowledge is liberating, as it says even here, attained uh, liberation, um, ensured liberation. So knowledge is, is, is liberating like that, especially, you know, uh, appropriate knowledge, real knowledge. So it's good to clarify uh, clarify doubts and get the big picture. And that's really an important thing. We've talked about this about reading Prabhupada's books is you can take one statement that he says and take it sometimes out of context or without looking at all the, top, all the things that the Shastra or the spiritual master has said to get a, a full picture. There's a difference between being accurate and being complete. That makes sense? Okay, so, so you, can, you can say, take a uh, topic that uh, in Krishna consciousness that you want to prove something and you can quote everything that Prabhupada or the Shastra says that supports your idea. And it's accurate because they're direct quotes. But you're neglecting other quotes. <laughs> so it can be accurate without being complete. Right? 
Yeah, just like when I was a kid, uh, um, I've, again, I've told a lot of these things, but there's people here who haven't been in all the classes. So, uh, that, you know, in, in, you'd get a box of chocolates. Those, uh, I don't know, there's different companies that would make them, right? And they had, you know, the, the, little, the little sweets that are wrapped in the, uh, in a, like a container. No, not aluminum, um, like a little cup, right? And, and there was dark chocolate and milk chocolate. And my brother and I both liked milk chocolate and we didn't like dark chocolate. Dark chocolate in those days was Maya. I mean, it was not tasty. Now it has all these uh, apparent uh, health benefits and so, you know, but anyway. So by the end of, and it was usually during Hanukkah, Christmas time that we would get these. So always by New Year's, the box would still be sitting there with just the dark chocolate <laughs> and all the milk chocolate was gone, right? So we sometimes take quotes that we like you know, and, and quote those, and we leave the quotes that we don't like so much and kind of hope they'll kind of go away or nobody will notice that we're not quoting those. So there's a difference between being uh, accurate and being complete. And so what a devotee, want, what we want to do is get a full picture and can be able to contextualize the statements of the Shastra. Any thoughts, questions, comments? Yes. Um, that statement about just selective shastric statements is accurate but not complete reminds me of uh, what the impersonalist philosophers do. They just take the statements that talk about the impersonal nature of uh, the Supreme Lord but there are other statements in the scriptures that talk totally a different thing right. but they conveniently ignore that and they just say like, oh, God is not a person, God doesn't have a form. But the uh, Vaishnava practice is a complete statement. It accommodates everything. It doesn't exclude the Brahman feature of the Supreme Lord. It includes that, right. but also puts the spotlight on the personal feature of God. Mm -hmm. to, uh, to Krishna, I as a Christian saying, we both read the Bhagavatam day and night. You read black and I read white. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Yes. So. Yeah. Any other thoughts? Yes. Hare Krishna. So, yes, uh, you actually covered it earlier as well that the context is different. Srila Prabhupada gave the example of a knife. Knife has the purpose of cutting, but in the hand of a surgeon versus in the hand of a thief. Mm -hmm. So it makes a huge difference. So similarly, materialists and devotees, they may be engaged in the same activity, say eating, but then one is eating for, you know, palatable things for the sense gratification, that's a materialist and a devotee is eating to purify as part of the prashadam seva, mm. one's existence. So there is a gulf of difference, yes. even though the same activity is being performed, the same elements are being used, but the context just changes. Yes, context is, is everything. And therefore, uh, devoted, one, one thing that we should become expert at, and, and this is in general life also, is a, being a really good judge of time, place, and circumstance. And to know what's a principle and what's a detail. Principles can't be changed. Details should be changed in order to be relevant. Right? And, the, and when, when Prabhupada was asked, how do you know the difference between a detail, detail and a principle? He said, anyone know what he said? 
He said, that takes some intelligence. <laughs> That's what he said. What? That's a classic answer, right? Yes. <laughs> but it's really important because sometimes we fight over details um, because one person may be thinking it's kind of a principle. Right? So, so things like that. And, and also people, in just in general, we don't like change. And so when someone adjusts something to adjust a detail, well, that's the way we've done it. You know, they're not... So change is a whole interesting topic. So shall we sally forth? Keep going? All right. I take that silence as yes. By hearing these topics from the sage Narada, the son of King Uttanapad, Dhruva, was enlightened regarding the personality of Godhead, and he ascended to the abode of the Lord, placing his feet over the head of death. So again, someone who achieved perfection just by hearing. Actually, I thought of one other uh, doubt. The, um, the Maharaj Prichit was saying, hey, you know, after the killing of Agasura, why did it take a year for them to start talking about that? Right? So he's like, you know, right? And then the whole stealing of the calves by Brahma was explained like that. So another example of knowledge clarifying a doubt. Uh, by hearing the, I read that one. This history of the fight between the Lord as a boar and the demon Hiranyaksha was heard by me in a year long ago as it was described by the foremost of the demigods, Brahma, when he was questioned by the other demigods. Ditti, daughter of Daksha, being afflicted with sex desire, begged her husband Kasyapa, the son of Marichi, to have intercourse with her in the evening in order to beget a child. The sun was setting and the sage was sitting in trance after offering oblations to the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Vishnu, whose tongue is the sacrificial fire. In that place, the beautiful Diti expressed her desire. O learned one, Cupid is taking his arrows and distressing me forcibly as a mad elephant troubles a banana tree. Therefore, you should be kind towards me by showing me complete mercy. I desire to have sons, and I am much distressed by seeing the opulence of my co-wives. By performing this act, you will become happy. A woman is honored in this world by the benediction of her husband, and a husband like you will become famous uh, by having children because you are meant for the expansion of living entities. So the purport says, according to Rishabdev, one should not become a father or mother unless one is confident that he can beget children whom he can deliver from the clutches of birth and death. Human life is the only opportunity to get out of the material scene. I like that word, you know, like, hey man. <laughs> scene was a real word in the 60s, wasn't it? You know, that's a groovy scene you're in. <laughs> so, right? so the material world's not such a groovy scene. It's, uh, it says to get out of the material scene, which is full of miseries, of the miseries of birth, death, old age, and disease. Every human being should be given the opportunity to take advantage of his human form of life. And a father like Kasyapa is supposed to beget good children for the purpose of liberation. So he's quoting a famous verse, Guru Nasyat Sajani Nasyat, etc. 
that one shouldn't become a guru, one shouldn't become a mother, one shouldn't become a father, one shouldn't become a husband, if he, et cetera, et cetera, if one can't uh, deliver one's dependence from the cycle of birth and death. And we'll, maybe we'll get into this a little bit more, but it's, it's um, when you take that ideal and then you apply it to your real life, bringing up children, uh, it takes on a, a more nuanced thing. I remember, uh, I think it was Irmala Mataji who said, until kids are like, I think six or seven, or maybe younger than that these days, they're like sponges. You give them Krishna conscious and they just soak it up. But then when they get a little older, they start questioning and, you know, and, and the body develops and more, you know, and it becomes more of a, um, uh, a, a art than a science, especially, you know, ch children that are growing up in the world today with, with media and everything. It's not, uh, it's not a direct, direct line. It's all, it's all kinds of zigzags. Right, Truva? <laughs> I'm sorry, just joking with you. <laughs> but it's uh, it's 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 a uh, it's a challenge. You can't you can't just uh, uh, you can't just tell a 16 year old turn your rounds, and they just go yes sir, <laughs> right? It's it's a art. Even Srila Prabhupada said that with children to not force Krishna consciousness, the practice of Krishna consciousness, because he said later they'll resent that. Right? So it's an art of attracting, because uh, Krishna's all attractive, so figure out finding ways to attract people to Krishna consciousness. I know for, for my wife, one of her big things not, um, when she was running a school for children was to especially make the festivals a really joyous occasion and something that you really look forward to because it creates some scars, impressions in the mind and in the heart that one carries with one the rest of their life. If, you know, if John Mastami is, oh my God, it's John Mastami, I gotta fast. Oh, right, and then it's super crowded, you know, and I can't even see the deities, and, you know, I'd rather just, you know, whatever. Then it's, you know, but if, but if there's plans on how to make John Mastami a really joyous thing for, you know, for the family and for kids, and things like that, it's something that makes a deep impression. So um, it's important to make, uh, Good samskars. Samskar literally means mental impression, right? Um, and, and basically to make Krishna consciousness be, uh, and I mean this in the positive sense of the word, fun, attractive, right? Not something like, you know, uh, my, my wife went to Catholic school, um, and, you know, the, the nuns were pretty strict, and they hit your hand with a ruler and stuff like that. It didn't make her all super enthusiastic to go to mass every day like that. Not that there's not a time for discipline, but uh, it's an art, that's the point. It's an art to, uh, to carry out this statement in the Shastra. Yes, you have two kids, all right, yeah. yeah. Do they do everything that you tell them to do? No. You'll, yeah, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Any comments on that? Yes, Andy? Do you have children? No. No wonder you're so happy. No, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just thought that it was very beautiful that um, if you believe this, if you take it as it is, that the, also besides, besides the parents uh, trying to raise godly children, the children have the opportunity to justify their parents by to, finding the right path. 
to justify their parents? Yes, yes, because if you, if you become Krishna consciousness, then your parents are people that raised a child that became, uh, went on the path of liberation. That's right, so that's right. So that opportunity. That's right. <laughs> I often tell my son, you know, you better deliver mom and I. <laughs> like that. Right. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. Other thoughts? Yes? He is a father of two. So when coming to Krishna consciousness, when Srila Prabhupada was in England, so many reporters, they were observing and people were observing how austere life the devotees were living. So one of the reporters asked Srila Prabhupada, where is recreation? Means they perform so much austerity, so simple life. How did you survive? And what's the recreation? Then Shila Prabhupada's recreation, yeah. Yeah. Shila Prabhupada's response was the whole movement is recreation. We are doing CDE, which is chanting, dancing and eating, and again chanting, dancing and eating. That goes all, all day. So the whole movement is full of recreation all the time. There you go. There you go. And I used to always think, um, my wife and you, I used to talk about this, that we thought the best thing for children is just for the parents to be happy as devotees. And you don't have to do a lot of, you know, Krishna consciousness is caught as much as it's taught. Right? You, uh, and so just by the parents being happy and satisfied in Krishna consciousness, children are very observant. Especially they can really pick up on hypocrisy, right? Isn't it? It's like they got a hypocrisy radar out, right? You know? So, uh, so if we're just uh, happy, you know, practicing Krishna consciousness and happy doing it, you don't really have to do much else. Yad yad acharati shrestas tatareve tarojana sayapramanakurute lokas tadanavartate that uh, one teaches by example. Okay, shall we carry on? We are going up to text 16. In days long ago, our father, the most opulent Daksha, or again, probably I think we say Dakka, right? Dakka, yeah. Uh, who was affectionate to his daughters, asked each of us separately whom we would prefer to select as our husband. Our well-wishing father, Daksha, after knowing our intentions, handed over 13 of his daughters unto you, and since then, we have all been faithful. O Lotus Eyed One, kindly bless me by fulfilling my desire. When someone in distress approaches a great person, his pleas should never go in vain. O Hero, Vidura, Diti, being thus afflicted, uh, afflicted by the contamination of lust, and therefore poor and talkative, was pacified by the son of Marici in suitable words. And here, kind of uh, following the uh, theme of this class, in one sentence, Vidura is addressed here as a hero because no one is stronger in self-control than a devotee of the Lord. Because rasovaisaha, we are enjoyers by nature. Right? But when a devotee is enjoying by his service or her service to Krishna, in relationship to Krishna, then the, the material world, the enjoyments of the material world look pale. And when we're not in very good Krishna consciousness, when we're not, then all of a sudden that same thing that may have looked pale last week looks very attractive this week. Right? 
depending on our, uh, our the, to the extent we're feeling that reciprocation with the Lord. And so here, the greatest hero is, and the strongest in self-control is not the person who can, you know, um, perform austerities and stand on one leg, you know, whatever. Um, but rather one who is remembering Krishna. Because the strength, you see, there's, there's such a difference in consciousness when, when we're just trying to avoid the sense objects of this world um, without kind of seeking Krishna's help. It's, you know, I'll go it alone. Or what did that Frank Sinatra song, I Did It My Way? Is that right, Henry? Yeah, okay. You're, you, you, I only look at him because he's old enough to remember the song. Um, and, and so it, it's a certain kind of mindset that although one may be practicing, making spiritual practices and practicing self-realization, in the heart of hearts, it's depending on my own strength. Right? Whereas a devotee develops this very, con uh, lack of a better word, contemplative mindset and it's not just contemplative, it, it, it's, it's realistic. That uh, that maya is really strong. And we can't compete. Can't compete. Right? It's like a high school team playing the Golden State Warriors or something like that. It's not going to be a fair competition. So, uh, so a devotee develops this very sober and sincere and deep inner, I use the word contemplative, realistic understanding of their, themselves and depends on the Lord for strength. Mm -hmm. And then, as we're going to hear in a, the next purport that we read, Haridas Thakur is another example of that. Right? So Vidura was so strong because he was so devoted and so um, deep in his meditation and dependence on the Lord. Anukul yasya sankalpa, pratikul yasya varjanam, rakshishyatiti vishvaso, gotripe varanam tata. That one thinks of the Lord, uh, the, the surrendered soul thinks of the Lord as one's maintainer and as one's protector. So some thoughts on this? No? Yes, Jiva? Hare Krishna. So yes, very rightly said. Uh, Thank you. Kashyap Muni, he was a Prajapati. So right. the mode of passion was very strong. Yes. While Vidura, he had left home for his purification. He was going on a pilgrimage. Yes, he dropped out of college. And yeah. <laughs> yes, and after meeting Uddhava, he was more eager to hear about Krishna. And having reached Matrimuni, once again, Matrimuni recognized that this is a jnani who has come for yes. purification. And, that, and it says it later on in purport that uh, he was a, basically an impersonalist. So that's why, you know, again, in the, in the uh, 12th chapter of the Gita, 
Krishna says, Klesho Avyakta Shakta Chaitasam, that it's Klesha, it's very difficult to achieve perfection as an impersonalist because the impersonal energy, which is a real energy of the Lord, is not a person and only persons give mercy. So it's a very different mindset, very different especially than the American mindset, right? I mean, it's very interesting, you know, when we travel around the world to see what people think of America. I don't know, <laughs> Janaki, you can add, maybe add to this, but people you know, think that the, uh, even our country code gives it away. Our country code is one. <laughs> Yours is 44, <laughs> ours is one, <laughs> right? You know, uh, and, and that kind of gives it away that you know, the, the idea of the, the um, rough and tumble American, you know, manifest destiny and, and all that sort of stuff. Um, so this idea of humbling oneself and feeling that dependence is not something that comes naturally, necessarily, to a lot of people born in this world, especially in this country. <clears throat> okay, shall we carry on? All right, we're cruising on to verse 19. Oh, afflicted one, I shall forthwith gratify whatever desire is dear to you, for who else but you is a source of three perfections of liberation? So this is because, um, who's speaking now? Yes, Kasyapa, right. And Prabhupada writes, a faithful wife and spiritually trained brahmachari are a good combination for advancement of the human mission. As one can cross over the ocean with seagoing vessels, one can cross the dangerous situation of the material ocean by living with a wife. O respected one, a wife is so helpful that she is called the better half of a man's body because of her sharing in all auspicious activities. A man, moved without a man can move without anxiety entrusting all responsibilities to his wife. So, um, Prabhupada writes that uh, when a man becomes qualitatively like the cats and dogs, he forgets his duties in cultivating spiritual values, and thus he accepts his wife as a sense gratificatory agency. When the wife is accepted as a sense gratificatory agency, personal beauty is the main consideration. And as soon as there is a break in personal sense gratification, there is disruption or divorce. But when husband and wife aim at spiritual advancement by mutual cooperation, there is no consideration of personal beauty or this disruption of so-called love. And then a little later, marriage is actually a duty performed in mutual cooperation as, as directed in the authoritative scriptures for spiritual advancement. Therefore, marriage is essential in order to avoid the life of cats and dogs who are not meant for spiritual enlightenment. So Prabhupada here is talking a lot about the, the sanctity of marriage. Uh, and ideally, marriage is on a Vaishnava level where the, the first and foremost meditation uh, of a husband is that my wife is a Vaishnavi and therefore I'm serving a devotee. I'm not just serving my wife. I'm serving a devotee. And 
the wife is thinking, I'm not just serving my husband, I'm serving a devotee. Um, it actually creates kind of, in a very spiritual way, uh, a love triangle where there's a husband, wife, and Krishna, right? Like that. And then it becomes a very uh, auspicious relationship because uh, there's so, we've, we've quoted so many verses in the past about how one makes spiritual advancement by serving devotees. Mahat sevam dwara mahur vimuktes. So many verses like that, right? So then, one, then even in household life, one can make rapid spiritual advancement because they're, ser they're serving devotees. Right? Now, it's not easy to keep that meditation 24-7, right? Because, you know, let's face it, anyone that you live with for a long time in the same house, there's challenges. <laughs> Everyone who's married is going, yeah. <laughs> and then we have our eternal bachelors here, Andy and uh, Henry, who are so happy because they little big smiles on their face. <laughs> um, but, but seriously, um, just like, you know, I, when I, I used to do traveling Sankirtan, living in a van with two other gentlemen, and you know, after a few months of doing that, you're just like, of course it was a very small uh, space. Um, but, um, and then here, this is a quote from Radhana Swami, that the secret to happiness and love in marriage is when there is a culture of service and appreciation. Right, so, so we shouldn't, it, the, uh, what is it, familiarity breeds contempt, we shouldn't um, take it for granted. The service a wife does for a husband, the service a husband does for a wife. But uh, one should uh, remain uh, grateful. Gratitude is a very important thing in any relationship, and then that's multiplied many times in, in, in a marital one. Uh, Here's a quote from Bhakti Tirtha Maharaj. In everyday life, our relationships with one another are practice for the divine relationships we will eventually experience. The quality of our interactions indicates how well we are preparing ourselves for associating with the Supreme Lord. So, uh, so here, because uh, Kasyap is talking um, about the, or, and Prabhupada in the purports is talking about the importance of a, of a spiritual-based uh, uh, relationship, one that uh, transcends uh, just the, the bodily concerns. So some questions? Nobody, everyone's afraid to touch this topic? Yes? Um. Talking about the institution of marriage, um, currently we see so many other groups that are claiming for a similar recognition, uh, like the same-sex marriage. Right. And also, people are wanting to live outside the institute of marriage and just live together. Right. So, as uh, based on these statements from uh, Srimad Bhagavatam and the purports of Prabhupada, how do we uh, see those happenings and how do we, 
adjust our consciousness not just adjustment in consciousness not in terms of accepting the practices but how do we like relate with them and interact with them because we are coexisting yep next question <laughs> uh Well, you see, what's interesting, because in the, in the, we're studying Shastra, and Shastra was written thousands of years ago, right? And, and it also talks about things that happened long, long before that, right? Um, so there was no kind of question between, uh, of what a marriage was, that it was between husband, a man and a woman. It was just, you know, it was like a, it was like a given. So... Now, living in the world that we live in, uh, this is again that question of principles and details, right? So let's look at some of our Krishna conscious principles, right? A Krishna conscious principles that we see all living entities as part and parcel of Krishna, right? And therefore, potentially, Krishna's devotees, right? And therefore, uh, we're meant to jiva doya, to give... Uh, to give compa have compassion for all living entities, even in other species, what to speak of, in, in the human form. So that's a principle. That doesn't change. doesn't matter what uh, one's uh, sexual orientation is. That, that never uh, changes, right? So that's, that's a spiritual principle. Um, I would think... And this, and this is actually a, a debate that goes on in many faiths. Is it a principle that marriage is between man and wife? Or now with all the, you know, the uh, so much uh, same-sex marriage and also people who have that inclination being more willing to be open about it, um, is, that, is it a detail? And, you know, this is a, uh, uh, something that many faiths are, are arguing about and, and discussing. So rather than going there, because <laughs> that's, that's, that's a whole discussion we could have for weeks probably, um, how would we relate to, let's say, let's say we say that our general understanding is that marriage is between a man and a woman, right? Um, on one level, it's, it's interesting because on one level, uh, the vow of no illicit sex kind of takes care of everything <laughs> on a certain level, right? Um, <clears throat> But we would, we would encourage everyone to take up Krishna consciousness, no matter what their background or orientation. You know, the, the tricky thing is, uh, even, even today, I don't think we, uh, yeah, it's been years since uh, we've had marriages right in the temple room itself, right? So even that, that's not an issue anymore. I don't think even for regular marriages. Um, I remember in Vrindavan, uh, my wife and I, we got married in front of the deities there. And then there was, uh, uh, and then pretty much after that, they banned it. They stopped having marriage. I don't know why. What did we do wrong? Uh, but uh, they stopped having marriages in, in, the, in the temple. A lot of devotees would go to Radhadamadar and have marriage or something. Um, so it's, 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 it's a sensitive issue uh, on one level. And so far, I don't think in ISKCON have we had. Uh, a, a devotee priest, ISKCON devotee priest, uh, officiate a, a same-sex marriage. Um, but uh, I'm sure we, we have all kinds of same-sex couples that come and 
come here on Sundays and worship the Lord and, and take part in the kirtan and, and whatever. And that's, you know, that's their private lives to live like that. Um, but it's, 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 it's a, uh, gosh, it's a big topic, <laughs> right? Because you'll have, you'll have some of these very kind of conservative evangelical Christian groups that basically say it's a disease that you can be cured of, right? And you have this, uh, uh, what's his name? James Dobson, is that his name? Um, uh, who, who very strongly believes in that and, uh, uh, and preaches that. And then you have, you know, and then, uh, but we could, you know, say certainly that inclination is, is, is a purva samskar. We could also understand that from Shastra, right? That it's a, an impression in the mind, either from activities in this life or previous lives. Right? That, that these things are there. So some things are very complicated. And for me, um, I just don't, it's not a big deal to me. I, you know, I, I'm sure many of us here at work, we go to jobs and we have people who have same-sex marriages at work and things like that. And it's just like, you know, it is what it is today in Ram Ram. Right? And I treat them as, uh, as much as I treat anybody else. Right? They're, they're all... Spirit, soul is part and parcel of Krishna. So sometimes how we as an institution deals with, deal with certain things, that, that may have to be there. But in terms of on a personal level, if, if, if Prabhupada built a house in which the whole world can live, that includes people of all kinds of walks of life. Is that all right? Any, uh, any thoughts on that? Yes, Andy quickly state my opinion. Can you I think, turn that up a little bit or something? Yeah. yeah. I think we're all embroiled in Maya. So, <laughs> yeah, right. so if you look at somebody and you want to judge them and say, well, that's so stupid living together as a couple and you're the same sex. But are all your views perfect, you know? Especially men. I mean, their attitude towards sex. If they, they couldn't come to the temple, there'd be a lot less men showing up, <laughs> uh, you know, if their views weren't good. So... That's what I think the problem is. Everybody is basically wrong to some degree. And, then, yes. and you're saying, yeah. well, you're, I'm a lot less wrong than you are, is, is all you're saying. If you so yes, a, so on the human level, that's, that's true. Yes. Jiva? Hare Krishna. So I would like to add further that this is the effect of Kali age. Means, you know, people have less intelligence, they are misguided, they're unlucky and always disturbed. So that characteristic comes in and they don't know what to do. They think religion is religion, religion is a religion, and they do things. And yet at the same time, Shastas described that this is the best stage because the process is so simple. Right. Just and everyone by taking, can chant Hare Krishna. Yes. Everyone, everyone can, can chant Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Everyone has the equal opportunity to take to it and then get delivered. I was Hare distributing Krishna. books once uh, uh, in the mall when there was this, I, I don't know, hundreds of thousands of people for a, a gay pride parade. And they really liked our books. So they would ask me, <laughs> they would ask me um, what we thought about, you know, gay marriage and gay homosexuality in general. And I remember, and I said it kind of tongue in cheek, but I remember Srila Prabhupada when he was speaking once to a group of brahmacharis and brahmacharinis, unmarried men and unmarried ladies. And so I said, well, our, our spiritual master once said, men are good, and women are good, together bad. <laughs> and they would go, right on. <laughs> I'll take one of those books. <laughs> so anyway, a little, uh, little light humor. Uh, 
<laughs> they took a book. So let's carry on. <laughs> As a fort, commander very easily conquers invading plunderers. By taking shelter of a wife, one can conquer the senses which are unconquerable in other social orders. So here Prabhupada is talking in purple, he just talks about how, you know, a, a good married life is a safe place. One has uh, one relationship with a member of the opposite sex, and then just as uh, uh, Chanakya Pandit says, that one sees, then, then you're talking about men uh, there, that, that the appropriate idea is that a man should see all other women except his wife as mother. And that's why you see sometimes in ISKCON that people address other ladies as Mataji. Now, if someone from India, they hear that, and you, you go up to a 20-year-old uh, a young lady and you say, hey, Mataji, they're like, huh? You know, because it's, it's very much something in India that is, is reserved for elderly, elderly ladies, right? But it's still something that, uh, that kind of caught on in ISKCON and Srila Prabhupada taught this idea to see all other women as Mataji. Um, and, you know, it, it's, the idea behind it is that we want to love Krishna, right? And what gets in our way of loving Krishna is in, in the existential sense of the word, word, word is our envy of him. Because Krishna is the enjoyer. We're meant to give him pleasure, right? And the existential problem is that we think we're the center and we're the enjoyer. And so that comes out, one of the ways that comes out in this world especially is, is through the relationships of, of, of a sexual nature. Um, and so we see in every faith that there's this, you know, there's this group of people, the real, the real serious, right, the sannyasi and, or the priest, right, or the Buddhist monk, uh, understanding that to really be focused fully on spirituality and trying to overcome that existential envy of Krishna, uh, that renunciation can, can be very helpful, right? Um, so what was, I was getting at something here that I, uh, uh, I lost track of my thought for a second. Okay, so give me a second. Yes, so um, finding ways that we can externally protect ourselves so that our internal meditation can be more on Krishna is, is a good thing. As long as it's not done fanatically, right? or rudely, like sometimes in, in, in early years of ISKCON, a brahmachari, an unmarried man, was sometimes rude to women, right? Because uh, they, they, in, their, in their immature way of trying to avoid being attracted to them, they were rude. That's, that's uh, as I told you, my wife was a teacher of, um, of young men, and her main thing that she constantly was teaching them was respect women. That this is the key to actually uh, not being lusty or not being having impure thoughts is to have respect. Uh, respect. So this has become a kind of a big thing in America right now because Mike Pence, the vice president of the United States, 
he uh, became famous for saying that he would never go out to dinner uh, uh, alone with another woman other than his wife, right? And it became kind of a big thing and liberals were making fun of it and conservatives and Christians were thinking, oh, it was pretty, pretty good, you know, and, and, and things like that. Um, and Billy Graham, I mentioned this in a class a few weeks ago. There was something called the Modesto Manifest. Manifest. And Modesto was a place in California. And Billy Graham was a famous evangelical preacher. And he got together with a few other famous evangelical preachers at the time. And they decided this rule of three, that they would never be alone with another woman other than their wife. Just so that uh, Prabhupada used to quote, what Caesar's wife should be above suspicion. So just to free people of, of any doubts in their character, because they understood how important character is if they're going to be leading hundreds, if not million, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people. Billy Graham was a huge preacher in his time, right? So the, the, you know, we could come up with this or that, but the idea is, as, as Jiva Tufta was saying, is that maya, maya means illusion, maya means that which is not, is no joke, right? And so we should just make uh, arrangements in such a way in our lives to not be so tempted by the illusory energy and to have uh, respect for, uh, for Maya's powers to uh, deviate us from our goal of uh, learning to love Radha and Krishna. Okay, any thoughts on that? Thank you for not having any thoughts on that. Okay, so now we are moving all the way up to verse 31. O queen of the home, we are not able to act like you, nor can we repay you for what you have done, even if we worked for our entire life or even after death. To repay you is not possible, even for those who are admirers of personal qualities. <laughs> and in the last sentence, Srila Prabhupada writes, uh, such extraordinary praises by a husband for his wife are certainly in the mode of joking. <laughs> well, you know, he's a little over the top. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? You ever get somebody who's just over the top? You know, you are the best. You're the, okay, give me a break. What do you want? <laughs> you know, usually, usually when somebody does that, you say, okay, what favor do you want out of me, right? <laughs> it's too much flattery, yeah. Too much flattery, yeah. What is that saying? Too much flattery is the sign of a thief? Something like that? Even though it is not possible to repay you, I shall satisfy your sex desire immediately for the sake of begetting children. But you must wait for only a few seconds so that others may not reproach me. This particular time is most inauspicious because at this time the horrible looking ghosts and constant companions of the Lord of ghosts are visible. Lord Shiva, the king of the ghosts, sitting on the back of his bull carrier, travels at this time, accompanied by ghosts who follow him for their welfare. So the idea behind this is that there are different times of the day have different influence on us, right? Uh, we all know that you know, in, every, in every faith, you see that morning time is the best time for spiritual activities, right? Because it's, it's governed by the mode of goodness, right? And the daytime is the time to get a lot done, right? It's governed by the mode of passion. And the nighttime is governed by 
the mode of ignorance. So he's so so there's this very scientific presentation in Vedic astrology of the different uh, times of the day and and, and things. And uh, dusk is generally not considered a very auspicious time, and that was the time. So he was saying, just you know, time out, just wait a little while. Um, and we can see even in our life, this is kind of taking a step back, but how timing, I don't know if you could say timing is everything, but timing is important, right? Just like if somebody is grieving the loss of a loved one, right? Uh, timing is super important in trying to help them. If that loved one just passed away, it's not exactly the right time to start quoting the second chapter of the Gita and say, there's spirit soul anyway. They didn't die. They're going on to another birth. Don't be in Maya. This lamentation is illusion, right? That's not the time and the place and the circumstance for that, right? Even in the battle of Kurukshetra, after the battle where so many people died, there was a grieving time. And then Krishna actually did start speaking some philosophy to uh, to the hundred, uh, to the uh, wives of the um, of Dhritarashtra's hundred sons. Um, so timing is important. So timing is important here also, right? Lord Shiva's body is reddish and is unstained, but he is covered with ashes. His hair is dusty from the whirlwind dust of the burning crematorium. He is the younger brother of your husband, and he sees with his three eyes. Lord Shiva regards no one as his relative, yet there is no one who is not connected with him. He does not regard anyone as very favorable or abominable. We respectfully worship the remnants of his foodstuff, and we vow to accept what is rejected by him. Although no one in this material world is equal to or greater than Lord Shiva, and although his unimpeachable character is followed by great souls to dismantle the mass of nescience, he nevertheless remains as if a devil to give salvation to all devotees of the Lord. Unfortunately, foolish persons, not knowing that he is engaged in his own self, laugh at him. Such foolish persons engage in maintaining the body, which is eatable by dogs, with dresses, ornaments, garlands, and ointments. Demigods like Brahma also follow the religious rites observed by him. He is the controller of the material energy which causes the creation of the material world. He is great, and therefore his devilish characters are simply imitation. Maitreya said, Diti was thus informed by her husband, but she was pressed by Cupid for sexual satisfaction. She caught hold of the clothing of this great Brahmana sage, just like a shameless public prostitute. Understanding his wife's purpose, he was obliged to perform the forbidden act, and thus after he Offering his obeisances unto worshipable fate, he lay with her in a secluded place. So remember that fate, because we talked earlier how this is all kind of a plan of what's going on. There's a bigger picture going on here to uh, have the, fate, the birth of Hiranyaksha and Hiranyakashipu. Thereafter, the Brahmana took his bath in the water and controlled his speech by practicing trance meditating on the eternal effulgence and chanting the holy Gayatri hymns within his mouth. Whoops, I was going to read the previous purport. Um, anyway, the previous purport talks about a similar thing, that Haridas Thakur, he was not born in a great family, 
he was not born in a Brahmin family. He was born in a Mohammedan family. He, um, he didn't uh, have the austere, austere practices of Kasyapa Muni. But because he was a devotee and he was constantly chanting Krishna's name, he was fully protected from Maya, from the illusory energy. Whereas Kasyapa, uh, Prabhupada writes, that is the difference between a Krishna conscious person and others. Kasyapa Muni was learned and enlightened, and he knew all the rules and regulations of systematic life, yet he failed to protect himself from the attack of Maya. So this, this is just such a good lesson that if we, to be free from Maya, really one can only do it by the mercy of the Lord, the protection of the Lord. Okay, any thoughts on that? Okay, we got a few, oh yes. Wait, wait for the microphone, we gotta hear your transcendental voice. Prabhuji, it's just a question. Yes. So what did Kashyapa Muni fail to protect from? What did he what? Uh, he, he, he wasn't able to tell his wife, Bagme. <laughs> wait a little bit. Got it. So, Time so out. Then came. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, and then, uh, of course, it was all the Lord's arrangements because it was a bad time. And then uh, these two demons took birth, these two. But it was Krishna's arrangement. But still, there's lessons in that. Whereas Thakur Haridas, so he was, uh, he was chanting his rounds, right? And he would chant all night long. And so uh, the, uh, he, the, People were trying to corrupt him, saying, like, hey, this guy's way too saintly, right? So, so they sent this most attractive woman, right? And, and he, said, he said, yes, I would like to enjoy with you, but I, just, I have a few more rounds left. Can you just wait, you know, a little while? And he said, just sit down there and wait. And he would just continue chanting, right? And, the, the, and he chanted all through the night, and she was waiting and waiting. And so she... She, you know, the, the morning came, and of course, that's not the time to enjoy, right? So she went away, and same thing happened three nights, right? And he said, yes, yes, definitely tonight, absolutely pakka. I will do it, right? And Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, like that. And then finally, by her associating with the saintly person and, uh, and her hearing his chanting, she uh, became a great devotee. And... Uh, gave up that practice and she shaved her head and became a great devotee of Tulsi Devi, actually. So that was the strength of a great devotee like Thakur Haridas. Now we're not expecting anyone in this room to have that kind of strength and don't, we don't have to put ourselves in that kind of position. But the, the, the lesson is there, is that all right? Okay, so um, we didn't completely finish this chapter. We will next week. So thank you, Hare Krishna, all glories to Srila Prabhupada.